All right, let's kick off our Friday afternoon. Dennis Stewart is here looking a million bucks, mate. How Thank are you, Chief? Mate. Thank you, mate. Now, uh, the last couple of weeks you've been having a look at some anti-aging herbs, yes. and you must have you must have sort of been applying some of those. I reckon you've taken six or seven years off. Do you think so? Absolutely. Oh, well, that that's, proves it works. <laughs> it does. And I put my glasses back on. But this week... We're almost at that stage, mate, where spring has yes, sprung and yes. a few herbs that we might start yes. seeing. Well, it's an interesting time because uh, in my profession, where I'm constantly looking at the ground, um, this time of the year we begin to see herbs that have been underground for quite some time starting to poke the head above. And one of those wonderful, remarkable, beautiful herbs is the simple wayside herb, chickweed. I want to talk about chickweed. Underrated, but an incredibly beneficial herb. Health Naturally with Dennis Stewart, our herbalist, and he's uh, getting ready to answer some questions, Martin. Are you ready to go? We are, Mike. All right. First one. G'day, Denise at Cessnock Shingles. You have a question on that today for Dennis. Yes. Hi, Dennis. How are you going? I'm very well, Denise. How can we help you? Well, I started in June with an influenza A virus. Um, Just started to get over that, and then the shingles. Um, yeah, yeah. I've never. I, well, I didn't think I'd ever had um, chickenpox before, but obviously I have. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I was uh, noticed it, and it was probably with, only within twenty four hours that I was at the doctor, and he gave me some Samvi, um, the antiviral. Um, but that was about all, and I didn't really get any information um, about the shingles virus. Um, how long it really lasts. I mean, this is seven weeks on Monday. Yes. Um, I'm still getting pain, okay. not really. Yeah. What, what you're experiencing is known as post-herpatic neuralgia, and yes. that is the inf- inflammation associated with the nerves implicated in this viral condition. Uh, that is still lingering, and it can linger for quite some time. It's a very common uh, side effect of the uh, of the herpes virus, as, right, she, okay. as shingles is. Um, there are a couple of ways, depending on how much discomfort you are in, there are a couple of things that could be done topically that might yes. alleviate the situation. Presumably the blisters have gone. Yeah, the blisters okay. have gone. Good. There Good. is still a slight rash there. Okay, so you've been, um, you've been left with the, uh, the byproduct of this wretched... Uh, virus, um, you, you can get a preparation from your pharmacist called Zostrix. I've I put that on Dennis about um, three weeks to a month ago. Yes, yes, and I had to get in the shower within twenty minutes. It was too it, strong for you, was it? He apparently gave me the highest um, uh, whatever's in it. Like, the, yeah, yes, I think there are two levels. Uh, I think with that preparation, yeah. but look, even even with uh, any preparation with uh, capsicum in it, uh, yeah. effective as it can be in sedating the pain, can in many situations irritate, and that's why um, capsicum-based preparations are not always uh, successful with some people due to their uh, tolerance or lack of yeah. tolerance for it. What I'd be suggesting is that if that didn't help, um, the oil of St John's wort... Okay. Right now, St John's Wort is a it's a is a herb. Obviously, yeah. uh, it grows here in Australia, and uh, when it is infused, and I'll explain this for the interest of listeners, when it is infused, that is, when the blossom component of the herb is soaked in, say, something like 
olive oil and allowed to macerate for probably two weeks, uh, one ends up with a beautiful maroon-coloured oil, which is the infused oil of St John's wort. Now, it has a reputation of benefit for many neuralgic-type conditions, and it is available. Um, You would get it from Bowen's in in Cumberland Street. Um, It is a gentle remedy and will take uh, probably a couple of days uh, to demonstrate how far it will go in easing your situation. Generally speaking, it is very, very safe, but as with any topical preparation, whether it be an ointment or a cream or lotion or an infused oil, um, one always does a patch test to make yes, sure yes. that you've got tolerance. So I would, be, I, would be, I would be suggesting that you try uh, St John's wort oil topically, but what you need to do now also is very quickly... Uh, and this is this is my opinion and what I would do and have done with people that have sought my assistance, you must go on to uh, an astragalus-based preparation because, as you probably know, this is a viral condition and it is an assault, if you like, on your on your immunity. And the fact that you... Yeah. The fact that you had previously gone down with a, a nasty virus, uh, your system, in my opinion, could well do with some support in overcoming this residue of the viral activity. And this is where uh, an Astragalus 8 preparation, preferably in liquid form, I think you get a better assimilation of it in liquid form, but if not, tablets would do. I would suggest that you uh, follow up any topical use uh, pretty quickly with some immunosupportive medication Herbal medication, obviously, from my perspective, an astragalus 8 has a great reputation in uh, restoring and overcoming some of these immune system uh, problems. Health Naturally with Dennis Stewart. He's here for the next little bit, 49216216. If you have a health question today, g'day th- uh, to Keith in North Lambton. You have a question on urinary tract infections for Dennis today. What's going on, Keith? Oh, thanks very much. I've got uh, a second urinary tract infection and was hauled up to John Hunter in the middle of the night. Oh, dear, dear. And that's, uh, that's also fired up prostatitis, yes. which is the inflammation yes. of the prostate. Now, yes. to, to try and alleviate issues around that, I did have a TERP about two and a half years ago, yes. which was then sort of uh, said to help with UTI and free up movement in that area. So I'm rather concerned now that I've got another UTI. I mean, okay. I, for my ongoing prostate care, I do have sore palmetto and curcumin yes. every day. Yes. And, uh, and, you know, I've heard that you're quite complimentary on those things. Yes. I'm just wondering if there's anything else. That... Yes. Look, um, I think uh, you can do something for that, Keith, and very confidently. I'll mention a couple of things that I would recommend. Um, that you can get uh, a tea f- from from my rooms at New Lambton. It, 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 try elsewhere, but it's not very popular. Uh, it's called Java Kidney Tea. Right. Right now, um, in Europe, where it is popularly used, in fact, it's written up in the European Pharmacopoeia as a, a, a medicinal preparation made popular in Europe uh, by the Dutch, who uh, ran. Uh, Indonesia uh, for a number of centuries 
and they became familiar with the way in which in, uh, in Indonesia and Malaysia, um, Java tea, as it became known, was a standard treatment for many urinary tract conditions, particularly uh, recurring uh, urinary tract infections or other conditions associated with the, with the bladder and its appendages. So um, irrigation therapy, as it's known in Europe, it uses a tea, the Java kidney tea, turned into a water-based preparation, obviously, and taken uh, preferably uh, prophylactically, that is, as an ongoing preparation. I recommend uh, to patients that uh, regularly get urinary tract problems that they take two to three cups of Java kidney tea a day, reducing it back to a lower level of intake when the condition is obviously settled and the um, occurrence of urinary tract problems is much less. It is a good starting base. The more acute, however, the symptoms are, let me emphasise that, the more acute the symptoms are, um, the herb that's most popularly used in Western herbalism and, in fact, was used popularly uh, in Western medicine in, into, into the 1930s it's called up in the British Pharmaceutical Codex, is the herb called buku, B-U-C-H-U, buku, a pleasant, aromatic, peppermint-smelling uh, herb which has a potent aromatic oil in it which has an antiseptizing effect on the urinary tract as, as it is passed through the urinary system. It is a very successful uh, herb for treating uh, an active infection or even a subacute infection. So the Java tea taken ongoingly prophylactically is a good start, but mm. if, if you're symptomatic, uh, the, uh, a buku-based preparation, preferably in the tea, would be, would be excellent. And thirdly, thirdly, one of the major breakthroughs, certainly from our perspective in natural medicine, is a substance known as D-mannose. D-mannose, M-A-N-N-O-S-E, I think it is, D-mannose. That is pretty well available these days in, in um, compounding pharmacies or perhaps even in pharmacies generally where it is a bit of a breakthrough substance. It's a, a simple powdered substance. I won't go into its chemistry. A lot of literature written on it. If you go to my rooms in your lamp and ask for the brochure that we had uh, prepared... Uh, on this particular substance, I see it uh, as one of the breakthrough substances. Certainly, that's been our experience in helping people that come into into our rooms. So, that's what I'd be suggesting: uh, the, the uh, ongoing use of Java kidney tea. Have up your sleeve, if you like, uh, some buku tea to cope with any acute symptoms. But start also an ongoing program with this preparation known as D-Manos, which is closer to a nutritional entity. I think if you do that, you're going to be in front of it, and I'd be surprised if you're in the same situation again. All right, Keith, best of luck with all of that there. And, Dennis, I'm just going to update you on some of your terminology. Oh, yes. You say pamphlet. I think we'll update that at your, your dossier oh, that you okay. created.
And you've got a few of those uh, there at your healing rooms, yeah? <laughs> yes, that's well put, Mark. There we go. Thank you for your contribution. Right across Newcastle and the Hunter, 2NURFM 103.7. Dennis Stewart is here answering your health questions. And, mate, you've, you've, you've hit a few for six so far today. Do you think? I think so. Well, that's impressive coming from you. As long as it's, <laughs> as long as it's six and not backyard cricket where it's six and out. <laughs> you can't have anything like that. Um, look, some more calls coming through, but it looks like we'll be heading into your topic today. I have a few of those springtime mm. herbs. And the first one, chickweed. Yes, look, chickweed is one of my favourite herbs. And as I was walking out uh, a couple of days ago, I looked down into one of the uh, containers that I grow herbs in, and there was chickweed coming forth, this beautiful little gentle light green leafed herb with its beautiful little gentle white flower, a chickweed botanically known as Stellaria media for mm. your interest. Um, and it's one of these herbs that delightfully comes forth at this time of the year. And um, it has such a remarkable contribution to make that listeners should be aware of the fact that it has both medicinal uh, and culinary virtues in as much that the herb has been popularly eaten in uh, in uh, European countries, even in the UK. It uh, was, in fact, harvested and sold in marketplaces not so long ago. Very edible herb is chickweed. But what I would say to listeners is this. If you suddenly want to race out and, and start and look and find it, Make sure that you have recognised it as chickweed and not some other similar-looking herb. It has a distinctive gentle white flower, ovate light green leaves, and hangs to the ground. I'm saying that because we don't want people to uh, start to collect herbs, be confused and get themselves hurt. But it has been popularly used and can be eaten like many of the herbs that I talk about. However... Its fame in herbal medicine is the way in which it can be used as a topical preparation. What do we mean by that? We mean chickweed forms the basis of a particular ointment, a chickweed ointment. And the English herbalists in particular, who are my mentors and whose books I still revere, certainly the book on medicinal herbs by Albert Priest and his daughter Lorraine Priest, uh, in that book is the formula that I have used for many years for making chickweed ointment. Chickweed ointment is one of the most soothing and useful devices for treating skin conditions that are irritable and inflamed. And chronic eczema conditions have responded well to the use of chickweed ointment. And we've proven that. There's a bit of a funny story about this. I had a, a graduate student of mine Dear Robin, she had a lovely little farm in Carrington Road, Narara, and uh, she was a very keen graduate herbalist. She and I got together and we produced what I believe was the first chickweed ointment in this country, and we made it exactly to the uh, formula of priest and priest and um, on the fresh chickweed. The product took off like you wouldn't believe. We suddenly thought this was going to make us a million dollars. This we is were a new Coca-Cola, right? <laughs> we were using it very, very successfully in practice, and she was using a lot of it. It proved its great virtue, chickweed ointment, particularly 
in infantile eczema, nappy rash, those sorts of conditions. Suddenly our dreams were broken in as much that we got a knock on the factory door. The fa- the fa- Just the f- like that one. The factory door being Robin Kirby's kitchen where there was a lovely combustion stove where periodically we'd make a batch of the chickweed ointment. But we were busted because we were, we were informed that we did not have a manufacturer's licence oh, and that we would have to have it made uh, to the rules and regulations that prevailed at that time. However, there's a good side to the story. We did do okay when we sold the rights to the ointment to a well-known company who went on to do wonders with it. So chickweed ointment, uh, yes. But look, for listeners also... You can make what uh, is referred to as an infused oil of chickweed. Now, you've heard me, uh, listeners would have heard me talk already today about the infused oil of St. John's wort. Many herbs give up their properties to an oil base. Chickweed can be converted into a beautiful infused oil, which simply means one takes the fresh herb, puts it in a wide-mouthed jar, X amount of the quantity of the, of the herb, pour on uh, <coughs> olive oil and let it stand in the sun for a week or two, filter off this beautiful light green-coloured uh, oil, the infused oil of chickweed, and then it can be used topically. That is, it can be used as a lotion. Does it work? One of the best cases that I can remember where it did work was treating a young lad Uh, When I first came back to uh, Newcastle from Sydney just before the earthquake in my Church Street rooms, I saw a little boy who had uh, patches of psoriasis all over his back and chest and uh, really quite a distressing case. Uh, I prescribed some oral herbs for him to take but also uh, prescribed some of the infused oil of chickweed. And I said, uh, look to his mother, I said, it would be nice to see how the boy's going. Uh, bring him in in a month. He came in in a month, Mark, but his father came in. Mm. And I thought, hello, what's going on here? And um, I said to the father... More rules and regulations broken, see? I said, how's he going? And his father said, oh, remarkably well. And uh, he pulled up his shirt and singlet and his, his, uh, his skin was looking very, very good. So I said, oh, I said, so the medicine I gave him really helped him. Oh, no, it didn't help him. It was the oil that you gave him, and <laughs> the oil of chickweed applied. Yeah. Did a remarkable job in helping that lad overcome uh, a psoriasis condition. Now, look, like all preparations, particularly topical preparations, one doesn't always get that same beautiful result. But I have frequently recommended to people who are not getting very far with either other naturopathic procedures or orthodox procedures, look, get onto some infused oil of chickweed, give it a go. It's inexpensive, very safe. It might do the trick. All right, it may very well. Good afternoon, Chris at Abermain. Chris, you're about to do some hip surgery and you'd like a bit of advice from Dennis here. Yeah, just um, how to prepare my body for a surgery, I suppose I'd like to, yeah. Well, let me ask you a simple question, Chris. Um, does your body need preparing? Yeah, I don't know. I just sort of thought <laughs> maybe. Look, uh, 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 I think that we have to be careful here. We we do not think that we have to. Uh, uh, how can I call it? Undertake any 
um, procedures that uh, might be not necessary if you are a healthy person and you are. Uh, are you on medication from your doctor? No, okay. no, no medication. But my immune system can tend to be a bit low or a bit slow. But look, Chris, no. <laughs> I, I frequently get asked this question, and I approach it from this perspective. If you are a healthy person with no medical problems, you can confidently undergo this procedure um, with our good orthopaedic uh, doctors. I don't think that I'd be too worried about your situation. Approach it confidently. If you had a medical problem, obviously that would be something that might uh, require some discussion with your GP, but you seem to be at a pretty good ballpark. I think I'd just relax and uh, go in and have it and uh, come out and say, gee, um, Dennis was right here. I went through it pretty well without having to take anything, not even any vitamins. Fantastic. Yeah, That's what I'd suggest, Chris. <laughs> Look, I, I, don't, I don't think uh, we need to, um, how can I call it, pamper our bodies. And uh, you've got, from what I understand, a pretty healthy being and uh, just approach it confidently. All right, best of luck, Chris. Good afternoon, Jason. You have, uh, oh, it's the time of the year for you, mate, sinus. Yeah, my, my dear wife has been suffering from a sinus infection. Okay. Um, she was, she had it um, treated by a GP with some antibiotics. Yes. Um, dur- during this whole infection, she lost hearing in one ear. Oh, dear. Now, now the antibiotics have helped a Good. bit. Good, But she still feels really congested. Yes in her nasal passage, okay. and her hearing has improved in her ear, Good. but it's not Good. 100%. Good. But um, she just wants... I, I want to know for her if there's any herbal treatment or remedies that could help decongest her sinus. Look, particularly at this stage when you know, the good doctor has done the groundwork, if you're a patient of mine, I would suggest that she start using some uh, a herb called Golden Seal, which has a particular relationship to upper respiratory tract infections uh, uh, very successfully. I'd reinforce it with with the herb Echinacea. And I'd also uh, suggest in conjunction with the herbs that she uses um, a, a preparation called quercetin and bromelain. Quercetin is a bioflavonoid. Bromelain is an enzyme extracted from the pineapple and it has a specific ability to address sinusitis. That's in the literature. And I, I use that combination to reinforce the, the golden seal echinacea herbal approach. If you were to do that, and from her pharmacist, get something like an albus oil or what we used to call fry's balsam, and do the old uh, uh, tea towel trick, in inhalation, a very underused yep. preparation, very underused uh, are inhalations. They should be used more. If one uses something like that, uh, an inhalation of uh, a herb with some natural cleansing and clarifying characteristics. Use the herbal combination of echinacea and golden seal and try to get hold of a preparation with quercetin and bromelain, particularly bromelain, with its usefulness in sinusitis. That's what I'd be doing if the dear lady was uh, was seeing me. Okay, uh, best of luck, uh, Jason, uh, with all of that there. Well, Dennis, we have got a couple of minutes left, so um, we'll s- you wanted to add a couple more quick points, yeah, firstly, look, on chickweed. Yeah, look, one area where I think it needs to be mentioned is that chickweed has an incredibly uh, good reputation as 
a feed or a food, if you like, to feed to cage birds. Now, this might seem a little bit left field. They say, what's this guy doing? He's a herbalist now. He wants to be a bird breeder. I used to breed ghoulians, Mark. There you go. And, and I bred them in... Where the, was this? Not at Wall's End, I'm guessing. No, no, it was back, in, back, back in, the, in the Central Coast. Okay. Uh, my wife remembers it well. We had cages and cages of ghoulians. You know, if the ghoulians saw me coming... <laughs> With chickweed, they'd be rattling the bars to get out at it. It was the best food that you could possibly feed to the, to that uh, finch. Beautiful ghoulian finches. Uh, people must know what they look like. Mm. Australian finch, magnificent. I mention that because if you have finches, and in particular ghoulian finches, if they're anything like my ghoulian finches that we bred very successfully, don't overlook feeding them regularly with fresh chickweed. The same would apply to canaries as well. Uh, we've got about 90 seconds, Dennis. Uh, do we open up the conversation yeah, on saw thistle? Well, ne- next week I wanted to say something very quickly, or not next week, but now I'll just say very quickly. Uh, a herb that has similar characteristics to chickweed is, of course, known as south thistle. Some people call it milk thistle. What I said about uh, chickweed being an ideal food to feed to finches uh, canaries and ghoulians. What I also found when my wife and myself on our domestic farm uh, in those hippie days, what we always found is that we have, if we had a sick goat, the thing that would pick that sick goat up faster than anything was to feed them the fresh leaves of sow thistle or milk thistle. I throw that out there because I see a lot of people keeping animals again and goats are coming back in. If you've got a sick goat... You've got to get onto it quickly. And one of the things that we found was quickly effective in stopping them getting enterotoxemia was to offer them south thistle. Just like those photos of you from those hippie days, Dennis, you keep promising them, promising them and they, they still haven't arrived. They will. They will. Thanks, mate. You have a great weekend. Thank you, Mark. Thanks for listening to this podcast from 2NURFM at the University of Newcastle. You'll find them all at 2NURFM.com.